The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him from the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To his majesty He can save you from the might of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I often close this broadcast by saying I love you. Today I want to do something different. I want to open it with that. I do love you. I think you are beautiful. I think you are filled with the potential of living for eternity, free, with no bondage, free to love and care, free to explore, free to serve, to have a worthwhile life. I see so many beautiful people. You're one of them. Even if I can't see you, you're beautiful. You have such potential and such possibilities before you, such adventures before you. I think of of the people that I'm friends with and people that I'm enemies with. I'm not enemy, but they don't like me. I understand. A man who says, I take care of the earth. I take care of animals. I take care of people. Don't put your bondage on me. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's in bondage? If that man will look carefully in the mirror, he'll see that that vestige of his face is growing older every day, and he is approaching death. I'd say he was the one in bondage, not me. I'm not approaching death. I'm living, and I will never die. Oh, I may go to sleep very temporarily, but I will live forever with Jesus because I am free. I am not in bondage. He says to me, stay in your lane. Well, hey, my lane is trying to help you out of a burning building where you're going to die. I applaud a man who cares so deeply about people 
animals, the earth. But I don't want you to die. Straight up, the earth is dying. Anyone with any scientific understanding of what's happening in our earth knows that it's slowly coming apart at the seams. It's an old earth, and it's about finished. I love people. <laughs> I, was at, I was at breakfast this morning, and this very pleasant young person came to our table, smiling and happy. When she left... I turned to my wife and I said, wow, she's a beautiful person. I see people with the ability to sing, with the ability to do all kinds of very creative things. I don't want them to die. I want them to live forever. You know, all of my life, I've kind of, made friends, and then lost friends because I moved away or they moved away. We lost track of each other. And also, my life has been very restricted in terms of what God would allow me to do as he prepares me for the work that I'm about set to do called revival. It's okay. We're each so unique and so so much alike. <laughs> we all bleed the same way. But we're not going to all end up at the same place. And that's what concerns me. And part of as I've struggled to try to understand what's happening. And and I have to tell you, and then I'll come to the message, but I have to tell you that I've spent a great deal of time and energy reading, reading philosophy, reading theology, reading history, looking at current events and trying to understand what is it that's happening to us. I know that civilization as we know it is about to end. I don't understand yet very well what's happening, but there are a couple of things I do understand. One, I understand that we are approaching the end of the world as we know it. I know that the financial system that we are part of is crashing and burning. I know from the Fed's uh, website that in the last week they have pumped more than $4 billion created out of thin air into the banking system. I know that that will cause horrendous inflation in our economy as they purposely destroy banks 
and absorb them and consolidate them, moving us toward a control grid of a one-world government tyranny, and this earth will become a prison planet. I know that because that's what Revelation tells us will happen. We will not end in freedom. We will end on the earth in tyranny. That causes me great sorrow of heart, great sadness. And I've tried to figure out why is it, how is it that I can come and preach the gospel day after day, the truth bringing to you the scriptures of God who loves us. Wow, does he love us? He died for us. How is it that I can bring these messages day after day? And so few of you respond either by coming to the prayer chapel or by giving or by just allowing Jesus Christ to change your life, to prepare for eternity. I struggle with that. How bad does it have to get before you make a a decision about where you're going and how you're going to live? I recognize the part of the problem we're facing is that life is so comfortable in America. We have our basic structure in place, our infrastructure. We have our car. We have our house. We have our income. We have our families, our friends. We have social media. We have adventures. We have restaurants. We have libraries. We have Google. We have everything we need to make us comfortable in our infrastructure. And then, in addition to that, we have, we have religion. Or it may not be Christian, it may be Islam, Buddhist, Hindu, Shintoism. It may be any number of, of religions out of which we draw comfort. But fundamentally, We don't seem to change Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and Christianity. And they seem to have all been whizzed up in a blender and homogenized so that 
Some people say, as someone said to me just recently, you know, all religions go the same place. They have certain moral values that they try to teach. They're all the same. That's only because all of the religions that you know have been put in a blender and homogenized. So it doesn't matter whether it's a a raspberry blender or a whatever flavor you like. But part of what I have to recognize is that Christianity, if it doesn't fundamentally change you and make you into a new person, if it doesn't set you free, if it doesn't totally reorganize your inner structures in your life. Someone told me about a husband who came to Jesus, who went to a Billy Graham meeting and then came home and and now he he went to church. And and now he he did all the religious things. But fundamentally, he was the same person. He had not been transformed. He had not been changed. He wanted to control everything. He was in charge. Of course, the basic tenet of Christianity is that God is the creator. and, And we're not the creator. And we're not God. And we're not Jesus. And we're not in charge. God is in charge. So I meet a man, and he has a wonderful story of conversion to Christ. And I ask him, are you married? No, but I have a girlfriend. She's Jewish. Wait a minute. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked one to another. I talk to another man, discover that he's living with his girlfriend. But he's he's a Christian. She's a Christian. No, their first loyalty is to the infrastructure of the Western American lifestyle. And then Christianity is sort of a a pleasant add-on that we bring into our life where it will fit. That's not Christianity. And that's not saving faith. You see that the world structure that I live in does not save a man from dying the the world structure with its with its house and its car and its food and and its leisure time its recreation its sports its its cigars none of that brings life brings perhaps enjoyment and freedom from labor 
for those who have the abundance in their life, who make six figures or more. That's what they figure for a a family of four in Washington, D.C. needs to be making at least six figures. Are you kidding me? That's American luxury and American lifestyle. But to be a follower of Christ, you've got to come out of all of that. That's not what it's about. Let me read this scripture, Galatians, the fifth chapter. I'll read verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Well, but everything is set up in our culture to indulge our sinful nature. And so the very thought of of turning aside from all of those indulgences, like television, like all the entertainment of the day, like the pursuit of money, like the pursuit of sexual conquest. Oh, that's your new girlfriend. The question is not, when are you going to get married? The question is, when are you going to move in with each other? Oh, you're already with each other. We've got to come to a place where we recognize that this culture that seems so permanent to us is, in fact, only temporary. It is what has not been experienced at our level at any time in the history of civilization. So he says, do not use your freedom. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. When you say, I receive you, Jesus Christ, and I honestly repent of my sin, and I am brought into the fullness of who God is. He says to us, now don't use this freedom you found in God to indulge your sinful nature. But you see, in the church, everything is about maternity. Everything is about lifestyle. Everything is about doing what we want to do and going where we want to go. It's not about sacrifice. It's not about scarcity. What are you going to do when there's no food in the grocery store? That's coming. You can say, oh, pastor, you're just fear. No, listen to the mainstream Economists, listen to the people who know, who watch the food chain. Listen to the farmers coming out of California who are saying that all of our crops have been wiped out. See, I don't know how to even begin to talk about this in Scripture. Galatians is talking about living under the Mosaic law. And Paul is coming and saying, 
Don't live under that law. Come out of that and be free in Jesus Christ. But don't be free to indulge the cravings of your heart. Now, he's very clear about this. What are the desires of the sinful nature? He says, verse 16, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Well, what are those desires of the sinful nature? Well, the sinful nature is first and foremost contrary to the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is contrary to that sinful nature. So there's a great battle that goes on, and you have to cast your vote on which side of those you will be in. It says they're in conflict with each other. It says if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. But he says the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Okay, let's let's get down to it. Number one, sexual immorality. Living with someone you're not married to. Fornication. He's saying don't do it. That is under the spirit of death, under the spirit of darkness. It's an indulging of your sinful nature. Why? Because sex is the precious gift that God gave for enjoyment and reproduction between a husband and a wife. It's not something that you play with. It's not something that you become addicted to the good feelings. It's there to please another human being and to bind your hearts together, a man and a woman, not a man and a man, not a woman and a woman. That's sin. It's wickedness. Now, what do we do with the Christian man and the Christian woman? Or the Christian man and a pagan woman? Or a a Muslim woman? A Christian man and a Hindu woman? But I love her, the man said to me. But I love her. You love her because you're still living in your sinful nature. And you're demanding that you have your way. And you're thumbing your nose and poking your finger in God's eye. And you still think he's going to be around? See, look, let's get to the bottom line. Is there deadness in your soul? Deadness in the soul is caused by distance from God. There's no deadness in the soul of a man or a woman who has completely confessed their sins and given themselves over to the gospel of of the Lord Jesus. 
There's no deadness in the soul when you're no longer in charge of your life. Deadness of soul, depression, discouragement. Oh, I just want to die. I give up. All of that is caused by by sin, by willfulness in following the way of darkness. And the cry of my heart is, would you come out of your darkness? Would you come to the Lord Jesus and be filled with his presence? Oh, you're just trying to put your chains of wrath on me. No, the chains of wrath are there whether you recognize them or not. You may not recognize them because of the deadness of your own soul. Or you may have just lied to yourself. So he's saying, look, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Number one is sexual immorality because it is sin against my own body. And you cannot be sinning against your own body and indulging in sexual immorality with a woman you are not married to. I mean, a man said to me, Pastor, I wake up in the morning. And I don't know what her name is. I've been with so many women. I don't even remember her name. That's embarrassing. And I pleasantly help her to get up and get out of the house and go on her way. What wickedness. This man turned away from Jesus later and became a Buddhist. Total death in his life. His soul is dead. Impurity. Debauchery. Another translation, let let me read it for you. Um, Acts 5, verse 19. Works of the flesh are manifestations. What are they manifestations of? Of your deadness of heart? Of your separation from God? They are adultery? Fornication? Uncleanness? Masturbation? Pornography, indecency, indecency, sodomy, I heard a foolish pastor say, What's whatever you want to do with your wife in the confines of your bedroom is not sin, it's just fine. Just enjoy yourselves with each other. That man is far from the Lord and his soul is dead. You cannot commit sodomy with your wife or your husband 
or your lover and have any relationship with Jesus Christ. A wife came to me and she said, Pastor, my husband is demanding sodomy. Should I do that with him? My answer was, absolutely no. But she went ahead. A short time after that, she left Jesus Christ in despair and went into utter darkness. The sinful nature is obvious. Debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. One woman I know flies into a rage at the slightest provocation by her husband, yells and screams and kicks, curses. She is far from God. And there has to be a dramatic change in her heart. But you see, the wicked, sinful nature of the human heart is so opposed to the Holy Spirit that the only way a person can come out of these things listed is to go to the cross and humble their hearts and die. Sin can only be removed by dying to them and being washed by the blood of Jesus. Selfish ambition, dissensions, dividing people, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I tried to talk about this last Thursday, and I I feel like I didn't do very well. There is the whole new old covenant where where Moses gave the law and then gave all the ordinances. And the people then had to adhere to those or they would die. Judgment from God would come. And then we come to the new covenant where now we're called to die, to be born from above, to be totally changed by the presence of the blood of Jesus. All of this is real. I testify, I've been changed. And now we're no longer lawbreakers because the law is written in our heart when we're doing our own will, we're doing the will of God. The person who has not entered into the new covenant just naturally does not want to do what is right. They want to do what's wrong. 
And after you've done what's wrong for a certain length of time, God finally, according to Romans, the first chapter, will give you over to sexual impurity, to every kind of lust, every kind of wickedness. So you have the law and the penalty of the law out of fear would cause people to offer blood sacrifices. Then you come into the new covenant and a person is to be totally changed. But what's happened in the Christian church in America, because we're so comfortable, is that people call themselves Christians, but they've never been changed. Are you still the same old, same old? Or have you been changed? Is there a longing in your heart to serve Jesus Christ? Or is there a rebellious streak in your heart that says, okay, I'm a Christian, but if I want to fornicate, I will. If I want to go to... Whatever sin, I will. I'm in charge of my life. Well, no, then you're not a Christian. He says very well, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The problem is, the normal American life is a normal pagan life. And the infrastructure of our lives sustains the lust of the flesh. It sustains us in wickedness, in pride, in arrogance, in idolatry, in hatred, in discord, in jealousy, in fits of rage, sexual immorality. So you have many people today, including pastors, who say, I'm a Christian. But they've never been changed. They're just good American citizens enjoying the leisure and the luxury of this world. But they've never laid their life down for Jesus Christ. And even those of us who think we have laid down our lives, it's still a struggle because Vanity Fair has everything for sale. It's a struggle because, after all, we're Americans. We're entitled. We're the best. It reminds me of when I was a a little guy. My father bought a beautiful... Ford station wagon. We went for a ride, and I remember the pride in my heart as we rode around in that to show our friends. My daddy bought the best car. No, it wasn't the best. Not anywhere near the best. It was a Ford station wagon. It wasn't a Cadillac station wagon. It wasn't a Mercedes wagon. It wasn't a... Do you hear what I'm saying? But in my mind, it's the very best, and I'm somebody because I can ride in this beautiful new car. I mean, we're Americans. 
We can go where we want to go. We can do what we want to do. We can sin as we want to sin. And we're forgiven and we're good to go. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're lost. See, I'm tired of of seeing the despair and the deadness in the lives of people I love. I love everybody. I've now lived long enough that I know that the I know that the pit bull that comes at me growling and showing his teeth. I know that's because of how he was socialized. The person who's always on edge and ready to tell you off and ready to cuss you out. And I know that's out of their own fear and their own hurt. the anger and bitterness of their heart. Basically, though, I have to say, I like people. I think they're, they're filled with fun and humor and creativity. But we've got a very short window here that we're working in. Very short now because this culture of comfort and ease is about to be destroyed by our government and by the one world government. We're about to lose. We're about to have a social grid applied to us. We're about to have the loss of our money, and the freedom of spending what you choose. We're about to have a grid laid upon us as they have in China. We're about to enter into a time when there's no such thing as freedom in America. A time when you cannot say what you want to say or go where you want to go, or do what you want to do. As they say, you will have nothing, and you will be happy as that slave. And much bloodshed will be spilled in America as that system is brought into effect, as they're already doing right now. I want you... To consider making a decision to serve Jesus Christ while you still can. I want you to consider praying about and casting off the comfort of American culture and begin to prepare for what's coming. Am I a prepper? Absolutely, I'm a prepper. Noah was a prepper. Joseph was a prepper. That is, 
Prepare for what's coming. Put aside a little of what you're going to need and enough to care for some others as well. I mean, there's a whole list here of of what happens when you indulge your sinful nature. Instead of indulging that sinful nature, the Apostle Paul says, serve one another in love. In other words, begin to think about the other person. Stop being right. Let Jesus be right. I don't have anything to prove to you. I don't have anything to gain from you. I do have a heart of love that says, I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to come to your senses. Recognize that the cultural mix of America is quicksand for your soul and will cause you to become dead inside and totally turned off from Jesus Christ. I've lived long enough to see it happen time after time in the lives of people. And so I come and say, please, Will you consider what you've heard today? Will you consider the reality of what it would mean to have your sinful nature, which does these things, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, faction. would you consider giving up all of that? Would you consider belonging to Jesus Christ? In reality, not as an afterthought of the American culture that we're a part of. Come out and be separate from it. Would you consider asking Jesus Christ to crucify you? To kill this sinful nature with all of its passions and its desires and its lust for for adultery or fornication or alcohol or drugs or anger or bitterness? Would you consider living by the Spirit of God and keeping in step with the Spirit of God and not with the world and not with our culture? Would you consider giving up your conceit and your attacking other people, especially your husband or your wife? Would you consider just shutting up and letting go of your defensiveness? Would you be willing to consider that you could help other people 
by loving them. By speaking the truth in love to them. I'd like to hear what your response is to what I've been sharing. I'd like some feedback from you. Are you a real Christian or are you a cultural Christian? I asked a man that and he said, oh, I'm a real Christian. And then later I learned he's living with his girlfriend. No, he's not a real Christian at all. He's hellbound. I've been there. I know this. I have sinned greatly in my life. I have made many evil decisions in my life. And I've had to confess those and turn away from those and have the blood of Jesus Christ wash me clean. And I tell you what, as I've done that, my soul is no longer dead. It's alive in Christ Jesus. I praise him. I honor him. I do anything for him. And he's done everything for me. It's so easy to slump down in front of the television or the computer. It's so easy to slump down in a relationship with somebody who will please you sexually. It's it's so easy to just be carried along, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. It's so easy to slip into that work, spend, eat, live, drink. Would you consider? The cost of being set free, of giving up the lust of your heart. Oh, Pastor, I don't know how I could do that. I love her. I love him. Enough to go to hell for him? Enough to drag her to hell with you? Is that love? What are you willing to do? Lord Jesus, there's going to have to be a great uprising in our hearts to say, I must be set free. I can't live in deadness anymore. I need your Holy Spirit. I need you to come and change me, to wash me. Just set me free. Lord, would you come? I know there are men and women listening to this broadcast right now who need to be set free of their wickedness. I'm asking Jesus, would you set them free? Would you cause them to determine in their heart right now this relationship is sin and it's over? Or... This activity, going to the, to the strip club, going to the massage parlor, 
going to smoke the cigars and gamble with the guys. Working hard to make my money so I can be somebody. Lord, it doesn't matter. The devil has such a smorgasbord out there to attract us and to tempt us. I'm asking Jesus, will you give us the courage and the ability to see that we could turn aside from our wicked American culture and say enough is enough? Oh, Lord, come and save your people. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I need your help. We're coming to the end of the month, and we're still quite a ways from having the money to pay the radio bill for this month. If you'd like to help, please write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. I'm going to be taking at the end of this week, two weeks, to pray, to fast, to search after Jesus, to rest. I am exhausted. I need rest time. So my wife and I are going to take time and we're going to go and just rest for two weeks. During that time, it'll be pre-recorded broadcasts. I ask, please, those of you who are urged by the Holy Spirit, would you be faithful in your giving so that when I get back, we'll have the money to pay for the month of April. Right now, it's March. We need to finish this up. Thank you. Some of you have even sent a second check this month. Thank you. God bless you. Well, I do love you. I hope this message today has not been confusing. God bless you. <laughs>